July 20th, 1976. Buddy, you gotta try that special sauce. Ovi sure did take care of me. Took care of me every bit as well as the college kids helping me get better. Maybe more. Don't get me wrong. Those college kids helped me out a whole lot. I wouldn't be where... Well, who knows where I'd be without them. That first while, before I'd gotten out of State Street Center at all, been brought down to the campus where they had fancy machinery, got my body moving again, or moving the right way again, they'd send the students up there to see me almost every day. Armed with straps and hooks and these contraptions, it looked like something straight out of a dungeon in a Vincent Price picture. Real torture chamber stuff. But you aren't going to get any better unless you work, buddy. You gotta work, buddy, work. That's what Ovi would tell me. Those students helped me, but I always felt that to them I was just an old man. You know, while I left the world about the same age as most of them, early 20s, they were seeing someone almost twice that age laying there, trying his darndest to do their exercises. An old man, an old broken man. I wasn't much more than the medical school cadaver on the slab. Something to learn from. Something to make themselves better with. A something. Just a something for everybody. Hell, even old nurse Laura, bless her heart. She was real good to me, but don't you think she didn't get something out of the deal? But to Ovi, I was somebody. Somebody worth helping out. He made me do my exercises and he wouldn't take no for an answer. When he'd get to work before dinner time, before bed, at all hours of the night if I was up. Range of motion, the college kids called it. Ovi would move my legs, I guess the same way they'd done over the years while I'd been unconscious. Like I was riding a bicycle in the air. Like old Miss Gulch from the Wizard of Oz. Pedaling like a crazy person going nowhere. Just along for the ride. Ovi was doing all the work making my legs move. Getting them used to moving so they'd be ready to move once I was ready to move them. And Ovi's the one who got me out of the building for the first time too. The evening he took a van load of us to a ball game. Now, all those old priests who lived there, they'd taken a vow of poverty. They were about as poor as any old fat cat, living out his retirement in a cloud of pipe smoke, in his Italian leather slippers and terry cloth bathrobe. They weren't hurting. Beer and scotch in the cupboard, good food to eat, whole fleet of cars parked out back for them to use, not bought in their names, of course, because they were impoverished and all. Who knows who signed for those? The Pope, maybe? But they had a couple Lincolns and a station wagon and a big old van. Could have fit a whole Sunday school class or two inside, with room left over for the choir. And that's what Ovi loaded me into that evening. Couldn't even stand up on my own at that point yet. Not even close. So he hauled me up like a regular fireman, swung me over and up and on into the van. Then he tossed my chair in back and fired up the engine, and off... Me and some old farts and Ovi went to Milwaukee County Stadium. That's what the sign said. Last time I'd been to a ball game, it hadn't been there. Well, hold up, I'll get to that ball game in a second. Instead of parking out among the acres of concrete that surrounded the ballpark on every side, out there with all the rest of the fans, Ovi drives right on up to this great big horseshoe made of grandstands, Looks like it's been tossed and forgotten in the middle of a big gray cement field. He pulls up to the back and cuts off the engine. The old guys, they'd done this before. Out they filed, shuffling off to an entrance that said bleachers. Don't think you're ready for the stairs just yet, buddy, said Ovi. 
stopping at a snack stand and flashing two fingers at the soda jerk. Don't you worry, I've got a buddy. Over, he's got buddies everywhere. Queen of Milwaukee, he'd laugh and call himself when some visitor to the center would bump into him and recognize him from someplace, from the supermarket, church, a bar, somebody who'd run into him on the street, somebody from childhood. He's got buddies everywhere. And he had a buddy there at the ballpark. That's why nobody cared that he parked where he did. Well, if he parked like that anywhere else, they're liable to tow you or throw you in prison. Not Ovi. He rolled my chair up to a big gate covered in green tarp, hollered to somebody behind it. The gate opened up and in we went, like we owned the place. My buddy's on the grounds crew, Ovi said, takes care of the bullpen. He rolled me right between two piles of dirt and two home plates, each mound holding pitchers who fired fastballs past us on either side, like rockets. Pitcher on the one side, this great big quarter horse of a fellow, all thighs and meat crammed into a gray uniform, number 30 on the back and the word angels on the front. He was really slinging that ball. Each time he'd toss it, it came sizzling past, just hissing like something electric, something dangerous, and then exploded into the catcher's mitt. As we passed the pitcher, Ovi said, Whoo, buddy, you pitching tonight? The guy caught the ball without looking at it, and a twang as thick as mine must have been once upon a time, replied, Nah, tomorrow, Cleveland. Well, still never seen Nolan Ryan pitch, Ovi said to him, or to me, or to nobody. Not in a game, anyway. Maybe next time, buddy. He rolled me past the big old dude and up to the next gate. Through the space between the posts, I could see a man in a white and blue and yellow uniform shagging fly balls, an outfielder. We were right past right field, ground level even with the players in the field, even with the ball game. Best seat in the house, buddy. Ovi read my mind. He handed me a foil bundle. My hands were working well enough by then to unwrap it. Pulled out a hot dog. A hot dog. Hadn't had one of those at a ballpark or anyplace else in, you get the picture, a real long time. Buddy, you gotta try that special sauce. A deep red oozed from both ends of the bun. I dabbed up what I could with my fingers and licked it off of them, sweet with a little kick. Ketchup and barbecue sauce, Ovi said, while I wolfed my hot dog down. You don't know how good a hot dog tastes when you haven't tasted one in quite a while, especially a hot dog at the ballpark. The ball player out in right field got himself ready for the game, tossing a stray practice ball into the stands. Brewers? I read his jersey. Who are the Brewers? I almost forget you missed a bit, buddy. Your chart says you were out, what, 17 years? Long enough. That there weren't any brewers back then, or any angels either. Neither of them's any good anyway, buddy. You didn't miss too much. What's that A on your hat for, I asked. That fireball pitcher behind us. His hat had an A on it too, a big A with a halo on it, just like the halo on the word angels on his jersey. But Ovi's hat, set up on top of his hair just so, was red, white, and blue too. But it had a blue bill and a white face and a little red lowercase a. Never seen one like that. Not way back then. Atlanta. I thought you were from around here. I am. Old Milwaukee, born and bred. But Atlanta's where my braves moved. And my buddy Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron? You might just see him play tonight, too, if his joints are up to it. Hank Aaron? He's still playing? Oh, buddy, you missed out. Hank broke Babe Ruth's record. Most home runs by anybody ever. 715 of them. He's got, I don't know, 700 something of them now. More than that. Mostly just a designated hitter now, though.
Designated hitter? Shoot, buddy, you did miss out. It's like... It's like a pinch hitter, but for a pitcher, and he can keep coming up to hit every time. He doesn't have to play out in the field either. So perfect for an old guy like Hank. An old guy like Hank, I laughed. I saw him before, back when he wasn't an old guy, back when I wasn't an old guy. Must have been, what, summer of 57. We just played the Apollo Theater there in New York. The Apollo? Ovi started laughing at that one, really laughing. Leaned up against the fence, holding his head on top of his head with his hand that wasn't holding his hot dog laughing. The Apollo? Whatever did a number on you must have really did a number on you, huh? He noticed the hurt in my eyes, or the panic at nearly monkeying up the whole thing, because he added, didn't hurt your sense of humor none, though, did it? I stopped myself from being hurt, of course, because Ovi didn't mean anything by it. But I stopped myself from saying much more, at least any more about what I shouldn't have said anything about. Yeah, yeah, I was just joking. Me, at the Apollo. <laughs> Look at me, a regular slappy white. Ovi laughed even harder at that one. I laughed too. But as the ball game began, I said, I, I did see him play that summer in Brooklyn, Ebbets Field. They moved out of there not a, not a month later too. I was living there in New York City that next year. Thought I'd catch another game, but they'd moved west. I'd been so busy, busy, busy doing what it was I did, I hadn't even heard. Dodgers went west to Los Angeles. That where these angels are at now? Uh, the scoreboard says California. Yeah, out in California. Dodgers in California, Giants in California, Angels in California, too. But my Braves, they're off in Atlanta. Well, I, I saw Hank play at Ebbets Field, I said with the Milwaukee Braves. I believe they won the World Series that year, too. We were in New York to play, well, for a job, to play, play a few, uh, do a few jobs. Then we went to Philly, I believe, for Dick, uh, to do a job there, then back to New York, all over the place. Same business that got me into trouble in the end, and did that number on me. Ovi shot me another sorry look. You see the game through the crack there? Yeah, yeah, I can see it real good. Almost like I'm out there playing. They did win the series that year, buddy. Beat the Yankees, too. Nobody beat the Yankees back then, back when I was a boy. Buddy, he was something. Yes, sir, I said. He hit a home run that game I saw. Wasn't a night game like this out under the lights. It was a daytime ball game. One of those late August days that just smells like baseball. We got off the train. It was still four of us. And it was in the middle of Brooklyn. Just buildings and people and city stink. And there it is, like some old-time coliseum or something, rising up out of the city like a sore thumb. Or whatever you'd call it if your thumb was alright, but you'd busted the rest of your fingers. We get inside, and you never seen grass so green. Perfectly cut, and as green as Technicolor. Greener in real life. Ghostly green. Green as the Emerald City. Smell of peanut shells, the husks so thick in the air you could taste them. Hot dogs, cigars, cold beer, frosty in your cup, stickier under your feet. The vendors all hollering. It was something. Better than any Bush League ball game I'd ever seen back home. Now, I, I, I don't follow baseball too close. Uh, didn't back then or today, as you can tell. But I was real excited to see old Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella. Both of them pretty big stuff in those days. It's why we'd headed to Brooklyn anyhow, instead of over to the polo grounds to see Willie Mays play that same day, our day off. Figured we'd get two for the price of one. 
Jackie Robinson, Ovi said, and never did get to see him play. Well, neither did we. Turns out old Jackie wasn't even on the team that year. We bought a program when we got there, and he's not even listed on the ball team. Asked some fellow about it, why wasn't Jackie on there, and he laughed and told us Jackie would retired the year before. And Roy Campanella, he was hurt, I guess. Wasn't playing at all either, just warming the bench. That winter, that's when he had a car wreck. I remember reading about it in the paper. Would have been just about a year before I had my accident. He got messed up real good. Messed up as bad as me, I guess. Worse, maybe. Depending on who you'd ask. Couldn't walk. But at least he knew what was going on. Maybe that just made not walking worse. Well, I never got to see him play either. But seeing Hank Aaron, that made it all worth it. The game we saw, the Braves, they, they won it running away. And Hank, he hit a home run. We had good seats. It wasn't but half full Ebbets Field, so we got up real close once the game got going. So when he came up, I don't know, about halfway through, we were right there. Wouldn't you know it, he was something else. About like that Ryan whatever back there. I turned back to the pitcher's mounds behind us, but both of them were empty. Well, he, he was built like that. Even from our seats, you could see his forearms just rippling muscle. He had this calm as he walked up to home plate, like it was all just a foregone conclusion. When that Ryan guy back there, the, the way he was throwing it, uh, you hear that pop? When the ball hit the mitt, like a gunshot, like the crack of a rifle. Never heard a sound like that before. Except for that day when Hank Aaron moseyed on up to the plate, you almost felt bad for the pitcher. One guy had already hit a home run. Remember his name because the four of us laughed about it. Nippy Jones. Sounded like he should have been a comic or something instead of a ball player. And then Hank walks up there, calm as a gunfighter. You just knew what was about to happen. That pitcher now, he's, he's got to be pretty good if he's pitching Major League Ball. But he's shook up. Now here he is, a real fix. Like some poor dumb bank robber, cat burglar, caught red-handed face-to-face by Superman. So he throws one, and old Hank, I've never seen hands move that fast. Not any player, not any picker either. Not Chet Atkins, not old Earl Scruggs. That ball came out of that pitcher's hand fast. Faster than these old eyes have ever been able to follow. Those hands of his, of Hank's, they were faster still. They were moving before that pitcher was even done letting go of the ball. And the ball just took off. Off his bat. Just just shot right out of there. Ended up way up high in the stands. Somewhere between left field and center. Way up in that upper deck. Sure is something. Seeing somebody who's better at something than everyone else, ain't it? For most of the game, the Hank Aaron we watched that night wasn't any better than anyone else. Not even as good, maybe. He sure wasn't as good as he must have been all those years since I'd first seen him. Good enough to break Babe Ruth's record. First time up, he hit a fly ball and got caught. Second time up, he didn't even get the ball out of the infield. His third time up, he didn't even get a piece of it. Even from way out in right field, I could see him shaking his head as he walked back to the bench. Getting old's a hell of a thing, ain't it? When all it feels like you can do is look back at what you did before you got old, and what you didn't do. Now, I, I did play the Apollo back then. That week I saw young Hank Aaron play, back when I wasn't even 21 years old yet myself. I turned 21 on that tour, actually. Spent my 21st birthday playing a show at the Mosque Theater in Virginia. Right before that tour got underway, we played the Apollo. Talk about being young and sure of yourself. 
Now, I've, I've heard things about how those shows went. We played a whole week of shows, not just one. Uh, like, like a lot of the stuff I've heard, stuff I've heard about myself since I wasn't around to correct things and still haven't. It's almost become a tall tale. No different than Paul Bunyan or Pecos Bill. That's about how tall or tough I felt when we took the stage that first night at the Apollo. How, how a kid feels when they know they're good. When they know no, nobody can touch them. We were good. We're untouchable. I was. And that first night at the Apollo, and the second one, they about ate us alive. About booed us right off the stage. Was it because we were good old boys from Texas? Could be. Was it because we had a bad night? I don't believe so, since they did the same thing the next night, too. I think it was because we went up there doing what we wanted, not what the people wanted, the people who paid good money to see us do something. So that third night, we got up there and tore right into old Bo Diddley. Now, in all those years since, they really have made me out to be that boy in the Buddy Holly glasses, haven't they? But I wasn't half bad then. I was good. I was like Hammer and Hank, up there just knowing I was good. For years, I'd horsed around trying to be Elvis or Bo Diddley or whoever. So I could move and I could sing, and that's what I did. For the rest of that week, we gave those folks at the Apollo what they'd paid to see. Somebody who was better at something than anybody else. The folks at County Stadium that summer night in Milwaukee, they'd paid to see what they wanted to see too. Middle of the seventh inning, that meant singing along to the Beer Barrel Polka. They were Liberace or the Andrews Sisters. Roll out the barrel, we'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel, we got the blues on the run. The gang was all there that night, all right. There for what they loved. Beer, and to see a guy well past his prime. But a guy they'd been loving on for two decades by then. An old guy who'd been the best at what it was he did. Who still had a little bit of that left in him somewhere. Hank had enough left, anyway, that when the pitcher tossed one to him right after everyone had sung the polka, he flashed those fast hands of his and stuck that bat out there and the ball went up, up, up toward left field. About the same spot where I was sitting out and right disappeared. Couldn't see where it went, but I could tell what happened by the sound of the crowd. They'd paid good money to see the guy they loved. And that guy gave those folks what they wanted, even if it took about everything out of him, you could tell. He hobbled around the bases, that old head down, those old legs stiff. His old arms chugging away like the drive rod on a locomotive, just trying to get him back home until the next time. Of course, what none of Hank's fans knew, what Hank didn't know either, was there wouldn't be a next time. That's the thing about the last time. It's just the next time until it's not. Until it's the last time. Until it's the end. That's the other thing. When you're that good at something, when you're better at it than anybody else, how do you know when you're not anymore? How do you know when, when it's the end? I guess for some folks, it ends while they're still the best. So there'll always be that myth, that tall tale, that cocky kid up there on the stage in Harlem, playing his guitar behind his head, strutting around like a rooster, 
sure he can turn those hecklers out there into fans. Not many heroes get to end it that way, frozen in time like some damn caveman in a glacier, exactly the same as they were when they went in. Most of them, they go out hobbling, humbled, maybe not really much of a hero anymore at all. I met him, Ovi said, when I was young. Who, Hank? Yeah, buddy. Before he was making that MVP money, moved up to Mequon. They were the first black family to stay up there, you know. Before that, they stayed by where we did, up on Capitol, on the north side. It was summer, and all his kids were playing ball over at Lindbergh Park. Here comes Hank, Hank Aaron, walking right past, same as you see him right now. We could tell who it was even across the way, the way he walked, the way he's built. It was him all right, buddy. Well, we all went running across the field to catch him before he got home, before he got away. I always was the fastest, so I got to him first. And I'd been pitching, so I still had the ball in my hand. It was all tore up and dirty, hardly had the hide on it anymore, or the stitches. It was the only ball we had. Mr. Aaron, Mr. Aaron, I say. And he's not like some of those famous folks today. He stops, asks my name, before I can think to ask him to sign that ball of ours. That ball wasn't even mine. It was somebody's. It was everybody's. He takes it from my hand. He has it in his hands. I, I've still to this day never seen arms like that, hands like that. Like a sculpture down at the art museum, made out of stone, made out of bronze or something. Then Hank Aaron asks me my name. I guess I must have told him, because he takes a pen out of his shirt pocket, writes on that ball, between the dirt and the mud and the bare spots. He writes, 2-O-V. I've, I've got a different name, so he wrote the letters, O and V. And, and, and then he writes, get, get this, he could have written, be good on that ball. You know, to tell all his kids to mind our manners, listen to what we're told, do do as they say. He didn't. I wouldn't have listened anyway. Me, be good. Huh? No, no, Hank. He takes that ball and writes, do good. Do good. Ain't that something? Been remembering that every day all these years later. Do good. You, you still got that ball, I asked him? No. We went right back over to the field, kept on playing. I don't even know what happened to that ball. But I still have what he said up here, and in here, buddy. No, Ovid Dates didn't do a very good job of taking care of old baseballs. But he sure did good taking care of old guys like me.